welcome to the podcast of Calvary Baptist Church of Taylorville, Illinois. I hope this podcast stirs your desire for the things of God, and we hope that your faith in Christ will grow like never before. Now let's get into the podcast. Amen. Hey, everybody, we're going to talk about peace today, so I want you to look at the person next to you, and I want you to say, hey, you need this. You need this. All right. No, no, no. We're not done yet. You're not done. Stand back up. Come on. We ain't done yet. This is calisthenics time. Here we go. I want you to look at the same person and say, I need this. There you go. Now we got some truth happening in the house. Now you can be seated. Take a breather, everybody. This ain't just for them. It's for you. And if you're at home, put in the, in the message thread, I need this. Let's me know that you are locked in and ready for today's message. Hey, we're going to be in the Bible, shocker, we are every week, in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, going through verse 18, I invite you to open up God's Word. We like to get into God's Word. I don't care if you get there by a phone, tablet, uh, or a good old-fashioned Bible in your hand, but one way or the other, I would just ask you to go there if you're inclined to read along with us. We're going to look at a couple different verses today, all in uh, within the topic of peace. And what's incredible about this particular topic is this is exactly what we need today. Because the culture that we live in, even in the best of times in the culture that we live in, has like a low-level anxiety of, of stress and panic and sometimes just a good old healthy dose of freak out. You know what I mean? Like that's just what's happening in our world today. So if, if we... Uh, are living in this world, we need the peace that Christ offers. And this message, I believe, God has for you today is going to be beneficial. So let's get into God's Word, verse 10, chapter 6 of Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. You and I both know, all of us know, that there are different types of shoes for different types of purposes, right? Whenever I was younger, there was these shoes that I wanted that I didn't get to have, but I wanted these shoes because I played basketball at the time, and although I could dunk, I wanted to, well, it was a seven-foot rim, but I could still dunk, and I, I wanted to be able to jump higher, and there was this shoe that was out, and maybe you've heard of it, it's called the Reebok Pump. This was popular back, way back in the day, back in my day. Here's a picture of it. There you go. Thank you, Caleb. This shoe was, was such a promise that you'd be able to jump higher 
And it was really just kind of gimmicky, but it looked cool and had the pump. You could literally like, like squeeze the tongue on the thing and it filled up like, oh, I'm going to really be able to, you know, be able to jump now. It never worked for me. Um, never had the shoes. Sad face. I always wanted cool shoes growing up, but I didn't. Instead, I think I got like low, like low top Pumas, which are like tennis shoes. And I've never played the game of tennis in my life, which is horrible. But we, we know that there are different shoes for different different things, right? Here's another type of shoe. You tell me what this shoe is, if you can guess. What is this shoe for? Golf. Thank you very much. That's a golf shoe. Here's the next one. A little bit trickier. Some of you know this. Track. Track and field. You guys are good. Here we go. One more. And here we go. What is this for? No one really knows. They're a fashion statement. Maybe riding horses, but many of us don't do that. Maybe two steps. Some of us don't know how to do that. I don't know. America, that's what that's for, okay? <laughs> this next one, let's see, let's see this next one. Uh, this is a little sneaky. Crocs, right? You know what this is for? Never getting a date. That's actually what this is for. Some of you are married and like, I know, that's why I have Crocs now. I get it, I get it. The next type of shoe is the one the Apostle Paul talks about. And this type of shoe is the type of shoe that a Roman soldier would have worn in that day. They would have been about a half boot. The toes would have been showing. It wouldn't have fastened all the way around. They don't have all the technology that we do to have closed-toed shoes in this way. Instead, a Roman soldier's shoes back in that day would be constructed like this, almost like a, a highfalutin Birkenstock with metal on the soles, I guess. But it would be constructed with the leather straps going around that would offer up stability and also some flexibility. Because a soldier had to be able to stand, but also had to be mobile enough to move forward. So the Apostle Paul borrows from this analogy, again, potentially, and in, in he's, uh, we don't know for sure, but potentially he's literally, maybe even attached to, uh, like just literally strapped to a Roman soldier. So maybe he's borrowing all of these from a, Ro a Roman soldier who's literally right next to him. But now what we know is he's talking about these certain shoes that a Roman soldier would wear that would offer a strength to stand, but also mobility to go forward. And for God's reasons, the Holy Spirit infused reasons, now this analogy is what we will talk about today. These shoes would be interesting because not only would they offer stability and flexibility, if you look at the bottom of the shoe, they would put metal studs or metal nails, and then they would flatten those nails out, but they would have really good traction. So if for some reason that the enemy was coming at a Roman soldier, they would be able to stand and, and have firm footing, but then also be nimble enough to move forward in case the enemy was there and they could advance. It makes sense, doesn't it? This metaphor is what the Apostle Paul uses in Ephesians 6 to convey a message about the gospel of peace. That we, you and I, if we're living in alignment with God's truth, we've given our life to Jesus, that we can have a peace that he, he uses in another book of the Bible that transcends all understanding, that is beyond human comprehension. But yet, he, he uses this idea in Ephesians 6 about the gospel of peace and connecting it to these shoes that, again, would allow the believer to be firm in their stance, but also nimble enough to go forward to advance the kingdom of God. I believe another reason why that he uses this particular language in, in, while he's giving such detail of the armor of God is none of the armor would really matter 
if the soldier was flat on his back like a turtle, right? I should have called the sermon, don't be a turtle. But the Apostle Paul is borrowing and he's using this metaphor of the Roman soldier because their feet have to be firm on the ground because, again, if the enemy advances and they're not strong enough to stand, and if they end up on their back, none of the other armor matters. And like a turtle would be sitting there helpless and potentially waiting for a stiff wind to roll them over so they could be effective again. For you and I to actually have the victory that God is offering us, we have to see what the Apostle Paul is talking about in verse 15, about the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And again, we, we just know this. We know that we have just a low-level anxiety in our culture today. It's just waiting for a flashpoint. People so eager to, to be offended and to claim to be Uh, or just to be offensive. But if we were to have feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, that means in the moments in our life when we're blindsided by gossip and betrayal, we we can have a firm foundation and stay upright. That means for you and I, if our boss comes at us and they're very mean and they're cruel and tyrannical, that means that even if that's the case, we can have a firm foundation, we can still have the peace of God, and we can be steady in our life, steady in our words, steady in our thoughts. That means that even if we're tempted in times to go back to our old way of life, the old way of thinking, the the old way of living, that even in those moments when we're tempted that God offers us a gospel of peace to be firm in our footing so that we don't revert to the people we used to be. Instead, we can claim the victory that God wants us to have. You see, the stable soldier can stand firm when the enemy attacks. The stable soldier can stand firm when the enemy attacks. I love how the Apostle Paul in this passage that we just read In verse 11, he mentions this in verse 11. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Advancing two verses later into verse 13, he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to do what? To stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So today, my hope is that God would show you, enlighten you, empower you to be able to stand your ground and also take spiritual ground that God has for you. You see, when we learn to to stand our ground, what we also learn is we learn that we actually have a power greater than ourselves to withstand the enemy's attacks which you all see is is a byproduct of this peace. But peace, if you're taking notes, peace is misunderstood. Peace, in, in a lot of ways, peace is, to some people, the absence of conflict. It's the absence of, of difficulty, the absence of stress, the absence of pain, the absence, maybe even what some people would put on God, the discipline that God offers us to make us more like himself, but yet 
We can misunderstand peace and say, no, peace is only when, I, when, I, when none of those things exist in my life. But the peace that God offers is, is a peace from the inside, not peace from the outside. It's, a, it's an inner peace, and it's a peace that when we are at peace with God, we can be at peace with ourselves. And when we are at peace with ourselves, we can be at peace with others around us. And if you reverse that order, it just leads to more anxiety. It just leads to more stress. It just leads to more pain. The priority has to be peace with God, which then goes to peace with self, and then you can live peaceably with others. That order is important. You see, with this, with the temptation that we have in our our day and age is to think that peace is just avoidance or it's escapism. Well, if there's difficulty, I have to run to seek peace. What God offers is better than that. I couldn't help but think of kind of a silly example. In the house that we lived in in Georgia, we had this little chipmunk. It was Simon, Alvin, and what was the other one's name? It was none of those, but thank you. Um, It was the little chipmunk that we had in our yard. And this little chipmunk was just obnoxious because it would come out and it would drill. It would just burrow and make holes everywhere and make a mess of things. I thought my air conditioner was actually going to fall out because it had like tunnels all underneath it. So I had to kind of, I was just so concerned with this chipmunk, but this chipmunk had, it had no peace. It was always at stress. It would come into the yard, and as soon as anything would happen, it would freak out, and it would run away. Like, I mean, I had the most docile dog at the time. My dog's name was Bella. She was just so sweet and so kind, and she wouldn't hurt anything or anyone. And yet, if, if my dog was outside and the chipmunk came out, that chipmunk would lose its mind trying to run away from Bella, uh, the dog. And it was just, it was a crazy thing. Some of us, we actually are living our life in the same way, kind of like that chipmunk, to where every time that we even see stress, see pain, see difficulty, that we start running for the hills to avoid the thing that God may be using to grow us to be like him. Because when we have a peace that transcends all understanding, it's not avoiding and it's not escapism. It's even in the middle of the storm, we can say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. You'll get me through. Because the day of difficulty is coming for all of us. There's going to be a day that all of us, in one way or another, and many of you have already learned this in your own way, through your own circumstance, through your own situation, your own difficulty, but there's a day coming for all of us where we can't escape the pain anymore, where we can't avoid those difficult people anymore. And God offers a peace, even in the midst of that, for you to honor Him, to honor yourself, and also be peaceable with, with the people around us. But any time that we focus on ourselves, we lack inner peace. And by, by focusing on self, I mean is, is to be so focused on ourselves, where it becomes about ourselves, to where we're just inwardly focused on ourselves. We're so preoccupied with ourselves that it's about, it's about our desires, and, and it tends to be very selfish in nature. You see, anytime we, we focus on self, we lack inner peace. We think if we, we just get deeper into ourself, then we're going to have what we're looking for. God's better than that. God's better than some self-help project. Amen? God's better than that. The Holy Spirit's better than that. The Holy Spirit works and works and works. Even when you're tired, the Holy Spirit works. When you're having a great day, the Holy Spirit works. When you're having a day where you feel connected to the Father, the Holy Spirit is working. And when those, those moments where you feel stressed and distanced from the Father, the Holy Spirit's working there too. 
the peace that is on offer is an amazing type of peace. It's, it's what some scholars have used, this, this particular Greek word that Paul borrows here, a way of binding and joining together that which has been separated or divided. That which of binding together that which has been separated or divided. So what the reason why it begins with peace with God is because, because of our sin, we have been separated from God. So it starts with the peace with God, that God binding together, drawing us together, drawing us to himself. Perhaps even right now in this moment, somebody came in, not a Christian, and right now you're like, you feel a sense of, of weights, and the Bible would call that conviction of, of like where you are and the condition of your heart and maybe how you've been living. Perhaps the Holy Spirit's drawing you right now. What Maybe what God is doing is drawing you to himself, and he's trying to show you that there's a peace greater than what you've been experiencing. But it's this idea that this, this bringing together, this binding and joining together, first, we can be at peace with God the Father only through Jesus the Son. Confessing that we're a sinner, repenting of our old sinful life, asking Him to be the Lord of our life, and committing our days to Him. Although we're not going to do this perfectly, but to just put one foot in front of the other giving your life to Jesus. That's the peace that transcends all understanding. And after that, don't be surprised if there's, if there's parts of your, of your story that God heals, that, that healing, that joining together, that harmonious connection within yourself, broken parts in you of which you have no peace, that once you're at peace with God, then God starts bringing things in your life together to where now you actually have a better peace within yourself and you know who you are and you know whose you are. And then what flows out of that is being peaceable with other people because then you can be fully present with other people without expecting them to be God or expecting them to complete you. Anytime we do that, it just brings stress, even when we think at times we're going after peace. You see, this particular message goes very well with our vision for this year, and the vision is one more in 2024. And although I did share a few weeks ago that we're going to be starting two services, and, and we're stepping out in faith, I want to thank you, Troy, for the pre-service rally, you really encouraged me and challenged me with that word about getting out of the boat, stepping out in faith. Because this is a faith journey for us. This is. But if we're going to be the type of people living at peace with God, peace with ourselves, and then peaceable with other people, God is going to draw other people into this space. People will be drawn by Christ in you. The connection, the openness, the vulnerability, the, the true you is shining through. And as that happens, we need spaces available for people to come and sit and to be able to connect into this church family just like you did all those days, months, or years ago. But we need to continue to do that in whatever way we can. So we are going to go to two services starting on Easter Sunday, moving beyond that. And it's not just about two services. There's, there's an element there that's like, no, it's just one more. Like, if I'm going to be peaceable with other people, then my heart should be inclined to reaching out to one more person to see if they might come to know Jesus Christ through the testimony of my life and the words shared through me.
But it isn't just about one service. It's about being peaceable. It's about being the type of people that, that God's love dwells in. Peace with God the Father through God the Son results in a peace expressed with feet ready to share the message of Jesus with others. And when we do that, we'll need more space. But it is a faith journey. It's a faith journey for you to ask your, your neighbor, your coworker, your family member to come to church or just ask them if they're interested in things of faith. And it takes courage for you to, to walk across the room and talk to that person face to face instead of shrinking back, hoping that one day they get to be a Christian or they become a Christian. It will take courage for you, but God will meet you in that space if you're honest with him, and then he will give you the courage to go across and talk to that person about the message that has radically changed my life, your life, and others. Second, peace is often misunderstood, but peace comes through a messenger. Romans 5, 1 through 2. If you have your Bible, you can go, go there. It's to the left of Ephesians. Peace comes through a messenger. Peace is not just some ethereal thing. It's not something that the universe is just going to dole out. This is not a matter of like, if you're a good person, peace comes to you. This isn't karma. This isn't rubbish, which is what karma is. Karma isn't real. It's a lie. Peace comes by a messenger. It doesn't come from within yourself. Peace actually comes from God through yourself. The messenger is Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul to the church in Rome wrote this, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. The Apostle Paul, he's reflecting on something that's happened in his life and the lives of the people he's addressing the letter to. He says, therefore, since we Christians have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what? Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Peace comes through a messenger. Another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in a place called Colossae. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. This is on the screen. He wrote this. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. And through him, that's Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Peace comes through the messenger. Do you know him? Do you know him? Like in a personal way, do you know Jesus? Do you know of Jesus or do you know Jesus? Those things are not the same. Do you know of Jesus as just some historical figure? Then you may know of, of presidents or people from history, but when you know at an intimate level, the Bible wants you to know Jesus and to be known by Jesus at an intimate level. This is the messenger. Jesus Christ is the messenger by which true peace can come. But peace also must be maintained. Peace must be maintained. There's an element here where we 
live in alignment with the Spirit of God. Peace, peace must be maintained. It's hard for me to say. Peace must be maintained. The fruit of the, one of the fruit of the Spirit is actually peace. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. It's like a longer list of things. This is part of the fruit of the Spirit. But if you're like me, sometimes, although I want to be the new me, the old me shows up. Like when I'm driving down the road and somebody cuts me off, I'm going to Springfield, right? And I'm just going down. It's like the new me says, no, I'm going to stay here and I'm not going to look at them. But the old me wants to be like, what are you doing? I'm just saying. My soul is saved. Sometimes my mouth, I don't know, it's question mark. But sometimes, like, the old me comes out. Marla and I were having a conversation this morning. Sometimes the old me comes out when I'm trying to pay a bill through my phone, and, and it goes through to verify that I'm not a robot. You know what I'm talking about? I see, I see your face. Your eyes just lit up. You're like, you know, in, anywhere there's a bicycle. Like, you have to click the boxes anywhere there's a bicycle. And, like, and all of a sudden, it's like, I only thought there was one, but apparently there were more. And then you go to the next one. And then it's like, show me a fire truck. And it's like, okay, I'm not a robot. It's a fire truck. That's easy enough. Like, but there's a lot of parts to a fire truck. Do all of them count or just the truck itself? Do I get the ladder? It's, I mean, I don't even know. I'm not sure. And it's like, and then if it's like, if it's just a car, I'm like, that's a car, but some cars kind of look like trucks. Does that count? Because, like, after a while, I might as well just, like, swipe all nine boxes, and that ain't going to work because that's... Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. That brings out the old me. The old me tends to be very, very impatient. And I know that when I don't get what I want. And only when I don't get what I want. If I could just get what I want. But you see, that's why God has given me the new me. He's given me the spirit. Because the old me wants to revert back to old practices, old ways of thinking, old ways of believing, old ways of speaking. And yet, the Spirit of God has better and new on offer. And one of these is peace. One of the things that I found, and it may be shocking to you, is if a Christian lives by the flesh, it's because they're choosing to. It's because they're choosing to. Because our, our carnal minds are triggering us. And we're not, we're not responding in the way that we should. We're nullifying the Spirit's work when the Spirit brings about conviction. And we ignore it. Just say, oh, it's not really going to affect us. It's just one time. It's no big deal. And yet, the more times that you say it's no big deal and you allow the flesh to win out over the Spirit, the easier it becomes next time to let the flesh win out over the Spirit. And after a while, you can't even hear the Spirit's voice because the Spirit is so far away, it seems. Because God's good, He often then brings consequences, and those consequences drive us back to Himself so that we can hear the Spirit of God. But we're in a very, very dangerous place when we've drifted so far into our flesh that we're now away from God and we don't hear His voice. If you, if you never hear, as a Christian, if you never hear the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life, you're either Jesus or in a very, very dangerous place. And I don't think you're Jesus. 
So that's a very dangerous place for us to be if we're not sensitive to the work of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 8, 9 through 14. He says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin and your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he raised Christ from the dead, which, is also, which also will give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature, that's the old us, to live according to it, as Paul says. He says, if you live according to your sinful nature, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you have put to death the misdeeds of your body, and you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And some translations say, children of God. I'll say it in a different way. If you were going to move into a new apartment, and if you're going to go into, you're going to move into a new apartment, and you're excited, you get the keys to your new apartment, and then you open the door to the apartment, and then you find out that whoever lived there before you left all their junk in the apartment, right? Would not be very happy, would you? Probably trigger some old you, maybe, I don't know, Potentially. But yet, if, you're, if you go into the apartment, the first thing that you're going to want to do is what? You're going to want to remove the old things that are not of you, and you're going to want to take those things out, and then you're going to want to bring in the, the other things that are truly you. God is continually doing this in a believer's life. Anytime the old you starts to rear itself, The Holy Spirit is trying to help you to have that removed and remind you of the new you so you can live into what God has for you. That is the pathway to victory. That is the pathway into the hope and future that the prophet Jeremiah reminds us of in Jeremiah 29, 11, reminding us that God is a hope and a future. It's not a hope and a future living on our own. It's a hope and a future connected to God, obedient to God, and living in, in, in fellowship with God and with fellowship with other people. It is that by which that we have a hope and a future that is positive and of what uh, God has on offer for you and I. Because anytime we choose to feed the flesh, the spirit brings about conviction because it conflicts with who we are and whose we are. When I was studying for this message, there's a book on spiritual warfare. The, the last name of the author is Rankin. I forget the first name. But he has an interesting way of showing this idea of the flesh that is the old you that rears up from time to time. And the way that he showed this idea of the flesh is, he said, think of the flesh as also of the self. If you take the word flesh, Caleb, this should be on the screen. If you take the word flesh, you take off the H, it spells self backwards. So when you read in the New Testament of the flesh, let that be a reminder that that's the old self that needs to fade away so that you can live into the new self that God is developing in you. That was helpful for me. Maybe it was helpful for you. If we're going to live peaceable with people, again, comes through a messenger, must be maintained. 
but also it, the peace isn't just for ourselves. It's to be peaceable with other people, to share the good news with other people, to advance the kingdom of God with other people. You see, when someone knows that you're fighting for them, not against them, you make a friend, not a foe. When someone knows that you're fighting for them, you're fighting for their victory, you're fighting for their health, you're fighting for their hope, for fighting, fighting for their future. When they know that, that you're not against them, that you're actually for them, what you've done is you've just made a friend, not a foe. This is one way to live peaceably with other people. Not to speak and to, and to be critical and criticize what others have done, but to speak into what they could do if they chose the right path, if they did the right thing. That means that you're actually fighting for them, not against them. And when you do that, you make a friend, not a foe. This isn't just for people outside of the church. This is also just good conduct for those inside the church. One of the things I've also noticed is this. When you grow in love, you're also growing an unoffendable heart. When you're growing in love, you're growing an unoffendable heart. I was wondering, are there like three spirit-filled people who could say amen to that? Any, anyone? I was only, I mean, I got more than three, so that's good. I mean, it's good to know you're here. But like when we're growing in in love, true love, Christ's love, we're also growing an unoffendable heart. That doesn't give people a pass to be cruel to you, but that means that when I am even trying to do the right thing by God and by you and I bump into you and maybe I offend you, you're not so fickle in your heart that you're unoffendable in your heart because you love God, you love me, and because of that, you're not going to be so easily offended because somebody who is growing in their walk with Jesus is not easily offendable. If we would simply embrace this truth, this could change our whole community for Jesus Christ. If we, could, if we as Christians could simply embrace this reality instead of mirroring the world, instead of offer something different to where we're not so easily offended like everybody else is in the world, that we don't just write people off in the world, but if we would just simply embrace this truth as just growing in Christ's love, knowing that Christ has forgiven you because Christ has forgiven you of all of your sins, past, present, and future, then we actually forgive others because we've been forgiven by God. And when we do that, we're not easily offended because we're complete in Him. We're not looking for somebody else to validate some brokenness in us because it is the Spirit's work within us that is healing our brokenness. Peace, as you may guess, is missional also. It is missional. Colossians 3, 13 through 15. Paul gets into some very practical ways of living out the Christian faith. And I love when the Word of God is practical. It's not all that helpful to me when it's just theoretical or just high-minded or just like some intellectual pursuit without some sort of practicality. I love when the Word of God is practical, when there's something there that the Spirit of God speaks to me and says, pay attention to this. Perhaps 
this will be a gift to you in that regard. Colossians 3, 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Back to verse 13. Paul gives this amazing advice. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, understand that people are going to fail you. Sometimes even well-minded people are going to say things to, that, that, that you would be triggered to be offended. Just know, make allowances for other people's faults. Because you're imperfect, they're imperfect. Just know that's going to happen. When you live in close community with anyone, you risk being offended. The Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of God, he says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. So make allowance for each other's faults. And when in those moments where somebody does, you, you feel like there's a violation of trust or something or respect, maybe words, something, harm. And then the Apostle Paul says, and when that happens, forgive anyone who offends you. Then he says, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule is an interesting word. The word rule could also be translated to control. And an example for this would be as the head umpire at a baseball game, anyone waiting on spring training, anything happening with baseball? I'm like in no man's land of the sports right now. Like in baseball, there's a head umpire who's in charge of all the umpires in, in, in fair play on a field. Another way that this would be played out with the metaphor is as, a, as an umpire is to a baseball field, just making sure that everybody plays by the rules, everything's, everything's orderly, everything's structure, maintaining order and rule but the umpire has control, this is the word that the Apostle Paul uses, and he says, let that peace that comes from Christ rule or have control or be the umpire of your heart. In another way, it is to control with care. God cares about you. God cares about your heart. He cares about your addiction. He cares about your recovery. He cares about your future. He cares about the abuse that happened to you when you were younger. He cares about the fact that you're abusing yourself right now. He cares about the fact that you, you are a picture of anxiety. Like that when talking about that, you're like, like, that's all you feel. Like, that's kind of you. God cares about that. God just doesn't dismiss you. God doesn't dismiss people. He sees you. He knows you. He knows you more intricately than what you even know yourself. And God chooses to love you anyway. He chooses to love you anyway. 
Do you know him? Do you have peace within yourself? Do you live peaceably with other people? Are you someone that other people would give testimony and say, you know what? He is a man of peace. She is a woman of peace. Only you can answer that. But I can tell you this. If in some way you feel found out today, that was not my intent. My intent was to deliver God's word and to put all my trust in him and then whatever he does is what he does. But if you feel found out right now, perhaps what this is, is this is a moment of victory waiting to happen for you. Just to acknowledge what God's doing in you, through you, and what he wants you to do in response to what he's doing in you right now. I invite you to stand. We're going to sing a song that talks about foundation, being God being a firm foundation. Some of you know that. You've gone through many things and God has proven that and your faith has grown through it. Others, not so much. This may be your very first time here and you're like, what did I get into? But if God is is moving in your heart in such a way that you feel like you need to respond publicly, we're gonna sing this song and when we start singing this song, the altars are open. There'll be people who would love to encourage you, pray for you, pray over you. Maybe even offer up words of prayer, the words that you can't even, like, you can't even find within your own self. God wants to do a work. He wants to offer peace in you, through you, and to you. Respond as he is leading.